Welcome to NFT Talent Talks, where we explore the people of Web3 and their impact on the future of technology. In this episode, we're excited to chat with Ben Sharby, the co-founder and CEO of Darewise, building life beyond metaverse, a virtual world where players can work together to build a new society powered by Unreal Engine's NFTs and ERC20 tokens. Ben's company, Darewise, was acquired by Animoca Brands in 2022, and now they're building everything together. Join us as we explore Ben's vision for the future of NFT gaming, metaverses, and how gaming must come first. So grab a banana, sit back, and let's get started. Uh, ben, uh, could you please introduce uh, who you are and uh, where do you come from before Web3? Well, thank you very much, Nate. Uh, guys, I mean, it's tonight for me, probably uh, something else for you, but uh, thank you very much for 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 having me. I'm very, very much looking forward to being back in Tallinn. Uh, I, I actually been there a couple of times back then because some of our early investors were, were over there. So I'm Benjamin. I'm the co-founder of uh, Dellwise Entertainment, uh, a gaming studio developing Life Beyond, a gaming metaverse. We are... Uh, uh, over 100 people team now across three studios in Europe. And uh, I've had a career, long career in gaming now. I uh, started my career actually as a, as a banker, but uh, quickly realized that I needed more meaning in my, in, my, in my life. And I was a very, very passionate gamer. Uh, I used to be an eSport player when I was younger. And so I joined Ubisoft, where I did most of my career before Dellwise, um, doing a bunch of stuff, but mostly working in uh, game development and uh, I think one of the things that I, I would say I'm the most uh, uh, recognized for was that I was uh, one of the directors of Assassin's Creed. I was the game director in charge of all the multiplayer component of the game. Uh, worked on Assassin's Creed 4, Assassin's Creed Unity and also worked as a, as a, as a like kind of creative lead on another game called The Division which is where I, I met my co-founder Sam who is currently uh, the, the CTO of Dalwise. So uh, it's been a hell of a journey. It's mostly dedicated to AAA gaming, but very much focusing on the multiplayer online uh, part of the events of these AAA, so, you know, high budget, like high production value games. And uh, and that's how we started Life Beyond you know, uh, Dalwise in 2018, uh, kind of being in trying to build the next generation of, of massively multiplayer online games. That was pre-Web3, um, I would say, for us. We, we had a very strong vision. And uh, eventually, when I discovered Smart Contract, it, it just was just looked like the missing piece. And, uh, and so we went all in, in this direction. And then eventually got acquired by Animoca Brands uh, early 2022. And we're now one of their one of the subsidiary, I would say, probably the, the AAA gaming arm of Animoca Brands. Oh, nice. That's a, that's a great journey. Um, before we go into gaming, I'd actually like to know uh, what's the best things that you got from your banking career that uh, perhaps are still uh, with you uh, these days in gaming world? So a uh, couple of things. The, the, the first thing was... Uh, I was an investment banker doing large cap mergers and acquisition, um, which 
had a few virtue, virtue, obviously, you know, stronger, strong capacity to work hard, which is very helpful, especially in the entrepreneur journey. But I think what I really leveraged um, was this ability to get to the core of a topic rather quickly, you know, because you, you could not commit several months uh, to one single topic. So you had to uh, to be able to really get the grasp of it rather quickly because we were maybe working on a project for like, I don't know, three, four months. Uh, so so this ability to have like this, uh, to, to shift from one topic to another was very, uh, was very helpful. And when I started my gaming career, I, uh, I was I was not really um, experienced in game development, as you can imagine, uh, neither in game design. But I had to uh, figure out quite quite quickly because uh, no one really knew how to do economic design back then, and uh, that's kind of the topic that I started to take care of, and and that was really helpful to be able to understand that quite quickly. So uh, a good uh, definitely something that I'm I'm leveraging today as well. Yeah, I think uh, especially when it comes to web-free gaming, then uh, as we have often uh, some some sort of uh, tokenomics involved, then uh, understanding how economics uh, actually should work uh, is a, a very valuable uh, part, uh, especially for uh, one of the managers or in a CEO position of a game studio. Yeah, you know, Absolutely. I mean, happy happy to elaborate on that, but I'm sure we we have a, a lot of other cool stuff to talk about. Yeah, actually, uh, do I understand correct that while you were still in the gaming in the investment banking uh, world, then uh, you already started doing some uh, gaming uh, uh, deals within the uh, that work. Yeah, so that was one of my chance as a banker was that uh, I very quickly focused on the entertainment and media industry. And one of our clients was Ubisoft. Um, and so but them, but also other companies really offered me the, uh, the opportunity to be a bit more exposed business. But, you know, again, there's a big difference between uh, working alongside these, uh, these great leaders and entrepreneurs and, and really getting your hands dirty, building a product. So, uh, when I made this move, that was a whole new new world, and I had to kind of relearn everything. Um, but that was a, a very very rewarding experience. Okay, so this then makes sense uh, how you got into Ubisoft, I guess. Yeah, so I, I got very lucky because I uh, I eventually got to meet with uh, with Yves Guimau, the the CEO of Ubisoft, and. A fantastic, like a great leader, a great visionary, uh, who uh, who was interested a little bit in my uh, in my own personal story, which is that I be an esport player at the very beginning of esports in France. Um, uh, you know, it was not really at, at this obviously at the same level as what it is today, but um, to him it it became uh, quite obvious that I, I was not at the right place, and so uh, he offered me this opportunity to to join the company. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and then after Ubisoft, uh, after working on Assassin's Creed and uh, all the other amazing games, uh, and founded PIO uh, uh, Games, which then morphed into their ways or something like that, right? 
Yeah, so it was a process, as you can imagine. You know, you start with a uh, you start with a plan, and then things never go as planned. So, so we, I, I really wanted to 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 focus on building this. Um, I was obsessed with sandbox experiences. You know, it was the very beginning of it, and so we, um, I, I really started by trying to think about this new type of uh, game where you know early access survival uh, and 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 that's kind of how we came with the the concept of BYO game uh, was it was a uh, you know it started as this kind of venture project but eventually became more mature and we we rebranded it into Dewa so it's basically the same company okay cool uh, but uh, when it comes to the uh, start uh, then uh, what were you trying to build in the initial phases so we, um, you know, building, a, I was really obsessed with the metaverse started 2014. I um, began to read, uh, to read all the literature of Neil Stephenson, the uh, science fiction author who coined the, the word and the concept of the metaverse back then. And being a former, like really, really committed MMO player, I was really an MMO native. It, it, it resonated so much uh, and so that's what I wanted to do. But it's not really like it, I, I didn't really think, felt, felt like we were ready. Like the technology was not there. We had so much to build before and that's obviously not something that you could start tackling overnight. So my, my plan was to start working on like this lower scale um, persistent online world. And that was the that was really the time of the survival games like Rust and Ark, uh, and so we started working on a survival game uh, that would take place on Mars. Thought that the the topic was pretty pretty interesting. Um, you always get inspired by something, and I had just read The Martian, uh, and that was pre before the movie with Matt Damon. So decided to go this direction. Fortunately, the development was pretty chaotic, um, very difficult. We were. Uh, collaborating with the team and you know it's not so much that it's about you know who who's responsible for that it's just it's so difficult um to work with two different teams different culture um on a on a project where you're still trying to invent uh the wheel for the first time so not a very uh a very uh happy experience but a lot and that eventually started to pave the way for life beyond Okay. Uh, when it comes to uh, MMOs and so all the different uh, esports games, then uh, do you rather always look at them from the like a fully immersive three uh, D games side, or do you also enjoy any uh, more like two D or uh, board game style uh, MMO games as well? I actually think that the the visual fidelity doesn't play such a big role in general, but it really depends on what type of experience. Um, I mean, if you play the games like a game like Eve Online, for instance, it's not a it's not visually outstanding, but um, you still get uh, a level of depth in the experience in the role you decide to play in this game that is insane, and that I think is the strongest. Um, driver of escapism uh, and, and, and interest and, and potentially 
you know, like engagement and stickiness. So, of course, um, because the metaverse, uh, so if you extend this, con- you know, your question to the metaverse, which is also about expressing your personality and having, you know, your, your own identity, then, then you need, uh, in a way, like the, a visual representation is a, appealing to it. Whether it's ultra, like photorealistic or super stylized, but you need production value. And production value can be defined as, you know, readability, um, quality of the design, etc. So today, I think this is what was, I, I think what we're going to see is um, these type of online worlds that actually combine experiences uh, with different type of rendering, uh, different type of visual design. Um, like uh, you, you will have, of course, a form of consistency in the narrative, um, in the overall creative direction. But you might see, you might have completely different type of, uh, you know, visual experience. And um, yeah, of course, I, I think that what Bori, you know, what you guys been doing with Dukidash is very interesting uh, in that regard. Yeah. Uh, we're already almost getting to what there was and uh, life beyond and everything else. But before I want to get and let you go there, then uh, when it comes to you as a gamer, then uh, you said that you have been a uh, gamer and a esports player uh, long ago already. Uh, mm-hmm. What were some of the uh, favorite games that you uh, played when you were just getting started, as well as uh, uh, which are the games that? Uh, may have uh, influenced you the most uh, in your uh, today's projects? So, of course, the game that I played the most was Counter-Strike because that was, uh, it became more than a game for me. It was, uh, it was a lifestyle. I was, you know, training with teams and doing competition. And so that, that obviously was something that was really part of my everyday life. Um, but when I think of the games that really influenced me, I, I think of two. Um, the first one is World of Warcraft because it's obviously the elephant in, in the room when you type when you think of an MMO experience that took you further than purely a moment-to-moment gameplay. So, yeah, first you start by you know, going around slaying monsters and um, enjoying, uh, you know. Leveling up your character and earning more abilities, learning you know learnities and skills, but eventually you would stick around because of the social component. You know because you're uh, you meet with your guild friends or you participate to the economic life of the world, and that was very interesting. But another game that truly inspired me, even way further than. Uh, than, than World of Warcraft, like way, way earlier than World of Warcraft, but that was really a precursor. It's called Mankind. And Mankind was kind of the ancestor of Eve Online. Um, and Mankind had this like form of uh, community engagement that was insane. Uh, it had its own newspaper that was, that was populated by the community. It had a system where your, your, they would call your phone if your base was under attack. The world was running twenty four seven, and uh, you, 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 it was a lot of like economic war. It was insane, and that was already you know 
kind of giving me a first flavor of how far it could go. And the same kind of spirit, Ultima Online was already also pushing it very far, where you could start um, playing other roles than being the hero. Uh, Star Wars Galaxies, actually also created by the same team as um, as, as Ultima Online, was, was pushing it this far, where you could just be a dancer or a musician rather than being a soldier. You know, and always uh, being about killing. So all these are extremely strong influences uh, for Life Beyond, and I'm very lucky because the team of uh, that is driving the project on a on a you know on a day to this uh, is we're all very much alike. All former like all MMO natives, our chief creative officer Mark was um, has you know experience all of these things in the same way. So that's why we're, we're building something that I think will truly be uh, a revolution in the space and because, and why it's also such a pleasure to do it because we're, we're kind of really like creatively aligned altogether. Yeah. Uh, talking about uh, uh, when you mentioned Counter-Strike being uh, the go-to initially, then it reminded me how I'm still going to school and my, Whenever going back from home, uh, I wanted to go to the computer with uh, my friends. Then I couldn't because my dad was uh, uh, <laughs> in front of the computer playing Counter Strike uh, 1.6. <laughs> exactly, that, that was that was that was the best part of the Counter Strike sto- storyline, if you if you want my opinion. Yeah, and and talking about uh, games where you really started to taking different uh, roles not just uh, focusing on a warrior or uh, something else, then for me it was very much a RuneScape uh, where uh, people were taking completely different uh, skills and focuses. And uh, I think that this is a this is very much uh, the side that if you want to have a game that's uh, going to stay with us uh, for more than just a couple of years, uh, then it needs to be such where uh, different... Uh, roles can be taken. You're totally right. Jagex did a fantastic job, and you know it's insane. It's still running today with such a strong community. They released it on mobile, and this is a very interesting learning, by the way. That when you build uh, experiences that really connect players together like that, your community can stay in the world in this world for a really, really long time. Um, world of Warcraft has been running for. Um, more than 20 years now this is mm-hmm. insane when you think about it so um i think there's a i mean there, there's an insane opportunity here rather which is very very different from the traditional gaming um you know experience that, that the companies have where they push they have to create another one etc etc here the approach is completely different you can build something extremely sustainable and of course the move to web3 is on just bringing more flavor, more benefit uh, to this. Because on top of that, we're properly incentivizing the network effect. People can really invest time in assets that they own. They can create content in a permissionless way. I mean, it's endless. When it comes to now uh, metaverse, as well as the uh, implementation of the free uh, within gaming, then other than the uh, obvious of uh, being able to own the assets, uh, what are the other big things that uh, really uh, inspire you and uh, why you are involved uh, in this space? 
you know when uh so before moving to web3 uh, mo- I, I was building game as a services um, working with behavioral economics and I, I would say that eventually I started to even question what I was doing ethically the the problem with uh, traditional free-to-play games is you are basically leveraging wealth to keep spending and spending and spending in your games and so it, it kind of puts you in this position of a little bit being like, uh, you know, not really a drug dealer. That would be a bit too strong, but you, you're a little bit dealing with behavioral economics and you know, triggering dopamine shots and stuff like that. I didn't really like that. I didn't think it was very sustainable um, and, and very healthy. The, when, I, when I started this, I, I got interested in smart contracts because of the technology first. Then I, under, I started to understand more of the usage and how it was really contributing to uh, redif- you know, redistribute the value between all the stakeholders, and this time the players being stakeholders themselves. So it, it became really obvious, and to be honest, it's, it's just all I care about today, and I, I really want to advocate for, uh, for, for like, and to promote it everywhere I go, uh, even though I understand that today it's still a narrative that a lot of people are against, and so while I'm doing this, I'm really also trying to make sure that we're building a really kick-ass game because I think that that will be uh, a great, great proxy to for people to um, step start to experience what Web3 can bring. Yeah, and these days uh, with Terawise, uh, Life Beyond is the main product that you're building, right? Oh yeah, it's the, it's the only product. Uh, we are dedicated to life beyond, and I, I don't think that we'll be developing anything else for the next few years. Cool. So, uh, tell us more. Uh, what is uh, life beyond? So, life beyond is a it's a gaming metaverse. It's a it's a journey that uh, we are taking you on to uh, to uh, to this planet, this beautiful planet called Dolos. Um, where we are all going to establish the, a new civilization. It takes us 100 years from now. It's a little bit of a star of hope, uh, living behind a, an earth that is uh, very, uh, you know, like controlled by a, a small, in a very dystopian way, you know, a, a small group of organizations and uh, a, a planet that is suffering. And we have this beautiful planet that... Uh, we, uh, we, we discovered through a series of uh, uh, expeditions on Mars and we discovered a, a form of like a space gate to, to get to this planet. But the planet is uh, not very friendly at the beginning at first. And so we have to go there, fight a little bit our way around because there is the, the remnant of, the, of an engine civilization's technology that has corrupted the world. But eventually, as we make some progress, we can start building together so there is no player versus player it's not about fighting each other it's it's about dealing with the threat in this world but then eventually uh, how we build together and how we grow these um, basic uh, communities simple communities how do we grow them into more sophisticated societies governance economies Um, so it's a it's a multi-stage experience where you start with the, I would say, a rather traditional, typical, um, you know, 
action cooperative gameplay to expand into a true metaverse experience. One thing when it comes to this type of games uh, is the question that uh, if uh, when you start, then everything is equal and you uh, just start exploring and everything else. But uh, if someone joins the game uh, one year later, then uh, by that point, uh, will the game completely be changed and the game that they will start with uh, will be different than the one yeah, that launching now? Mm-hmm. That's a very good question. It's obviously one of the first thing that we we think when we create a world like this. So, the um, there are multiple parts of the to to this answer. the The first one is, um, and which is the most important one, is that. So we're going to release the game world over ten years. Um, so the world is divided into regions, and we'll push these regions um, over over the next uh, over the next uh, ten years. Each region, every region has to go through these three different stages, pioneering, settling, governing. And so while one region will be in pioneering, another one might be in settling, another one might be in governing, which means that it's also, um, you can pick different locations that have also a different type of experience, different type of gameplay. And the way we are designing, um, it's basically, it's, um, it's, in this society, you define your role by your profession. And your profession is mostly something that you can only perform through a combination of the right equipment, um, the right skills in your character, and the right ability yourself to execute this job. So there are multiple you know, like um, areas of progression that also makes it um, very much impossible to kind of masterize everything. So you'll specialize somewhere and you'll always need other people to partner with. So as it's not a competition, because you're not fighting each other, um, you know, if you're a farmer, you always need someone to provide uh, some consumable and also some equipment uh, and you'll need some super advanced stuff. So you, you'll always be... Um, in this need to interact with their with your whole ecosystem, mostly populated by players and player organizations, so we're designing this on purpose to make sure that regardless of when of when you join, there are always interesting things to do and a, and a, and a, a kind of a, a good uh, vision of of the the pathway that you can take to eventually go where you want to. Cool. And so when it comes to the game itself, then uh, is it already uh, live or is it still uh, in pre-alpha? So we ran in uh, a very cool uh, open alpha last summer. Um, we were very happy. We, we received uh, uh, well, close to 20,000 players. So it was a, it was a very, very uh, important moment for us. Now we're back uh, into the development, but soon we're going to be releasing their the player space, their 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 what we call the the social hub, which is basically uh, the first module of uh, the persistent world, uh, and uh, this is coming very very soon. So stay tuned because we're going to make some announcement about this, and this will mean running twenty four seven. You'll be able to start connecting to the game and do stuff with other players. 
Oh, cool. So uh, basically, people are now waiting uh, for the uh, next release, right? Yes, that's it. Me too. And when it comes to, you mentioned uh, 20,000 uh, players. Uh, was it like 20,000 players at the same time? And uh, if so, would you need some sort of uh, uh, technology like uh, uh, other side is using with uh, uh, this? Uh, Probable. Yeah. So um, not really. I mean, it was not. It was obviously not uh, 20,000 people concurrently. Um, because we uh, that was over the over the course of that uh, of that alpha, but we uh, we are patenting a technology at the moment um, that is uh, basically giving virtually no limitation of how concurrently we can host players. Okay, cool. Uh, while building the game, uh, are you? It, uh, or do you have to uh, completely develop different uh, uh, side things which are not game related, but rather uh, user onboarding related, or especially as you're using uh, blockchain there, uh, then different uh, client uh, facing tools uh, to communicate with blockchain from scratch? Are you able to more or less uh, use all different existing infrastructure? So it's a, it's a bit of both. Uh, of course, you have a lot of stuff off the shelf that are uh, working well and are, are very, um, um, you know, that of course save you a lot of time, but it's always the same uh, like in any other thing in development. The more standardized you want to go, the, or it's more, the more you want to use external services and existing services, the faster it can go, but also the more standardized you, you end up or you have to be. And sometimes it works well, sometimes we, we have to. Um, so for some contracts, we had to build some stuff. For some, we were able to um, to use things that were probably uh, prop, uh, previously developed. Um, so it's uh, there's not a one-for-all solution uh, and, and a one-for-all answer to your question. It's uh, It really depended on... Uh, on on the topics, but in general, we don't really define ourselves as a technology company. We we, we want to be more focusing on on the content and the experience. And so, we would only build something when it's absolutely needed. Okay, and when it comes to a blockchain specifically, then uh, are you building it on just? Uh, one chain or are you somehow incorporating different chains at the same time at the moment we're only building on polygon um, but but we're not uh, uh, obsessed i would say by um, you know being like uh, a single chain we on the contrary i would say we want to be uh, you know making it as friendly and as easy as possible for anyone to interact with the with us to join the experience. So we'll be multi-chain eventually. But when it comes to Polygon, then why Polygon? Polygon when, was a, was really the the most obvious choice for us when uh, when we decided to pick a chain back. Um, they had, uh, obviously, very good infrastructure, great gaming community already. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes in this decision, you also need to, um, you rely very much on the, uh, you know the the relationship that you that you build with uh, with your partner and how you guys are going to to work together and we just 
um, really, really enjoyed the relationship that we're building with the with the Polygon team. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, if I, uh, whenever we are having discussions, uh, then Polygon is very much always a go-to. And uh, even now, uh, with all the projects that we are building on, uh, we are making most things uh, on Polygon and then uh, maybe keeping some things on Ethereum uh, when it makes sense. Uh, when it comes to now life beyond, then I understand it. Uh, it's actually not your average uh, uh, free game, as in it is uh, free to play and uh, blockchain is just uh, used uh, uh, for some things, right? Well, I mean, the, the truth is right now you don't have that many games that run 100% on chain because the, just the blockchain technology doesn't allow to really run your, the game logic on chain. Uh, it's just not powerful. It's, it's just not uh, like efficient enough to do it. Um, so it, it's pretty... Uh, there are a few games, of course, that do it, but most of them are just focusing on inventory management and store and transaction uh, between between two players or between the game and you um, when there's an exchange of an asset. I think what is important for us is that we don't want to gate the experience and prevent non-NFT holders to enjoy it. We believe very much that regardless of the fact that you hold an asset or not, you are contributing to the to the life of life beyond because you're actively um, you know building creating some content for others and so you should be able to um, to enjoy the experience and you are actually just bringing value to the whole community um, but of course we um, we also want to make sure that you know the the those who eventually own NFT and it can be again these free players who just you know because they spend a lot of time and they start, um, you know, they they earn, they have skill. They're they for all these reasons they start accumulating. Then, of course, that this can eventually um, be a form of value for them, uh, whether it's value to trade with other players, whether it's value to turn into uh, fiat eventually. Um, so, yeah, I would say we're basically like a free-to-play game, um, but where the monetization. It will be more intra players than between DAOs and the and the players. Cool, yeah. Uh, when it comes to the game, uh, then uh, is there anything else uh, specific that you would like to uh, mention or talk about uh, before moving on? Yeah, I think a very important thing is that we, and this is a big focus for us in twenty twenty three is to um, really engage in the development with the with all of the stakeholders so I think very I think originally we were even like even though we had this intention we didn't really know how to do it uh, and so we were very very much building on our you know on our side and then often and sharing updates to the to our player to to our community now instead what we're doing is more and more engaging um, with um, our and especially with our NFT holders because they're obviously those who are putting a form of skin in the game you know and who are becoming stakeholders because now they own a form of uh, a part of the value chain and so we are like 
meeting with them, uh, whether it's, you know, NFT holders, uh, whether it's uh, player driven or, you know, play like player organization, web three guilds, et cetera, corporations to, to, um, to really discuss about some very core topics and make decisions together. And I would say that this is not because we need that. It's because we think it's just the only way things should be done uh, in a Web3 service or in a Web3 product. It should be completely built with the community. And of course, I'm not talking about uh, you know telling them, okay, now please write some code uh, because that might just be very difficult to execute. But there are a lot of topics for which we just felt like, okay, we should not be making the decision on our end uh, by ourselves. Like we need to talk with the with our with the community. So um, that is what we've started to do, and it's quite fantastic. We're getting such valuable input, and like we just feel that now the product that we're building is not just ours. It's uh, ours uh, from I mean. Dell-wise, it's ours, you know, everybody, the player, uh, the community, us. And this is very, very, uh, it's a very rewarding experience. Yeah, I think this is one of the big things that uh, Web2 is missing out uh, when uh, being able to really uh, verify who are your community members, uh, verify how long they have been with you, and then actually involve them in the process of creation. Absolutely. And uh, I, I strongly invite people to, this is why we're so much in the ethos of Web3. It's just like, I, I would not, I would never want to go back. Like I would never want to go back to uh, this time where I have to market, thing, you know, where uh, I have to do marketing in the traditional way. And uh, when it comes to uh, marketing and also just building the company itself, then uh, you mentioned that uh, earlier last year uh, you got acquired by Animus. So uh, happened and uh, why did you decide to sell the studio before the game was even launched? So um, there are a couple of things. The, the first one was that we were actually not in the sales in the sales process. We um, we were um, Series A, actually making progress on the. Uh, with a couple of parties we're about to lead our round. But, you know, sometimes you have these, uh, you know, these encounters uh, that are uh, kind of life-changing. Uh, and mine was with you, the, the, the founding, the, the, fa- the co-founder and chairman of Animoca Brands, where I, I was just, you know, blown away by the vision, um, the, like how clear it was. And, they they were very quickly a partner that we just wanted to we just wanted to ride to 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 ride this wave with them. Um, so they, they they of course made sure made sure that the deal was structured so that we would still keep the right level of the right levels of incentive. And uh, and honestly, it's uh, it's been so far uh, it's a, it's a honeymoon so far. You know, we. Um, we are uh, able to really benefit from all the firepower, all the knowledge uh, that they have accumulated, and it's a, it's a, it's a very, it's an, to me, it's an unfair advantage that we have to this. How easy or hard was it to uh, even get started uh, with deal making with uh, Animoca and uh, Yatsu? 
No, no. Um, it it was actually very easy because the we so Sebastian Borgier, the co-founder of Sandbox, was already an investor in in, in the hours and life beyond. So we we had already uh, like started to to get the proper mentorship for this uh, when we started moving to Web three. Um, he's the one who introduced us to uh, to Yat and things went extremely fast, uh, like ridiculously fast, to be honest. <laughs> so, so, um, so absolutely not a painful process. Um, and, and very, you know, I think we, the culture of it is a very important thing when animal chemics, uh, investment moves and oh, we, we, we were very much similar. We, uh, um, we of course, you know, it's a, it's a very strong, uh, entrepreneur, entrepreneurial culture over there. So, um, yeah, definitely not feeling like any form of friction or, you know, like I would say weight of having now a mother house on top. When it comes to Animoca, then uh, do they always uh, just uh, outright uh, buy uh, studios or do they sometimes just uh, join as a normal investor as well? I, I think it's actually the opposite. They're very rarely acquired companies and uh, most of the time they are um, inv- minority investors so so that's more what I've, uh, what, what I've experienced them what I've saw what I saw them doing and um, I, I guess we I guess our our journey was a bit different and so it felt more like a uh, like a like a better move for them but it actually turned out to be I think what a much better move for us as well Cool. Yeah, Animoca is uh, one of those uh, companies and investors that uh, uh, even we have been thinking it would be uh, cool to have them uh, one day invest into uh, our studio. So uh, maybe uh, maybe one day you'll be able to uh, get us an introduction. I'll be very happy to. Quick banana break. I'd like to take a moment to tell you about an event I'm organizing. NFT Tallinn, the biggest web-free event in Northern and Eastern Europe. NFT Tallinn is your bridge to Europe, where the brightest minds in the industry come together to discuss and present the latest trends and developments in the nascent web-free world. The main event will be held from May 8th to 10th and will feature keynote speakers, panel discussions, networking opportunities, VIP dinners and more. In addition, the community will host hackathons, side events and much more throughout the week starting May 5th. Tickets are available now. To learn more and secure your ticket, visit nfttalent.com. It's an event well worth your time. Uh, on that note, uh, I think this has been a good uh, overview into uh, who is Ben and uh, what is uh, their wise and what is uh, life beyond. So uh, uh, that's it. I would uh, open the gates for uh, questions from the audience. So anyone that wants to ask a question, just request a speaking role and we'll give you the right. It seems Ravin wants to ask a question. Hey, uh, Ben. Yeah, I've been talking to him. Like I was with him on the meeting. I have like two questions (laughs) for you, for Ben. One is... um, what kind of ownership or control do players have over their in-game assets? And how does this differ from traditional gaming? And the other one is, how does the game utilize 
decentralized finance like DeFi protocols or any other Web3 technologies to offer new ways of earning and spending in-game currency if you have any. Thank you. So, thank you very much. Uh, I'm sorry, I'll just questions. Hard questions. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. The, this is great, and and thank you again for being here. Uh, that's always great to to see you, Ravin. Um, so, on on the ownership, it's a full ownership. Ownership, like there is, um, there is. It's it's a, it's completely, uh, you know operated it will be completely operated as as this as a decentralized experience so um, these assets that you will own uh, you you will have the opportunity to turn any of them into nfts i i say it this way because we'll be running the experience on a side chain to make it easier for the normies because uh, i'm sure here we're not only talking with web3 people but uh, a very important things that we want to do is to make it extremely friendly for traditional Web2 players to join us. Um, I, I think it's, we can't stay, you know, just with, within, our, you know, within the Web3 enthusiasts. Uh, we need to also make it a very pleasant experience for all these Web2 people who are scared or not so interested in Web3 uh, because they will contribute dramatically to the life uh, of, you know, to the experience of the game. So for that reason, yeah, any asset will be able to be turned into NFTs, and then it's totally up to you to um, do whatever you want with it. Uh, of course, you know, trade it on any decentralized form, but also rent it out, share it, um, you know, uh, lend it, etc. Then uh, to your second question about game five. So one thing that we don't want to do is reward uh, staking with token because the other for us um the point is not about um like earning earning money is not the first motive uh participating to the game and 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 earning through your action yes but earning just i would say you know silently quietly without doing anything no because that doesn't contribute to the experience of the other players so when you'll be staking your token, um, an in-game reward. If um, for also if you earn a land, um, you staking will bring you even more benefits. Uh, so those are some of the things that we're currently uh, designing and that will uh, hopefully soon be able to publish in a white paper. Thank you. And I do have one question for NFT uh, telling. I'm uh, hold on a second. Uh... The question for you is, you know, how does the, you know, the, there's a lot, like, I think uh, the user adoption is the major concern right now, right? Like, from Web 2 to Web 3. So, like, what do you guys think about, you know, the game? Like, a uh, little little futuristic, but, uh, like, how does the game, like, supposed to, you know, handle disputes or conflicts between players, like, over in-game assets? Like, uh, some sort of, you know, governance or arbitration mechanism, you know, if the, do, do they, you know, need to address those issues? You know, uh, what do you think? Well, it's, I think everything when it comes to uh, the legal, the IP rights and everything else uh, is still in super early days. And uh, and that's that's why uh, we still have all those 
question and uh, different uh, rock pools and everything else where kind of people just in a way don't know what to do. Uh, they could be, of course, uh, utilizing the existing uh, rules. Uh, for example, when it comes to uh, taxation, a easy, easy, simple thing. Uh, if you are uh, selling a physical item somewhere, uh, you usually end up having to pay VAT tax. Uh, however, uh, somehow when it comes to web free and NFTs, then uh, people have uh, decided that uh, this is not the case. Uh, and now some governments uh, like Japan, even Estonia, some others are thinking that uh, hmm, maybe there still should be a VAT tax uh, involved. However, then you look back in history and you see that uh, there are some regulations uh, from early 2000s uh, regarding World of uh, Warcraft, where it was said that uh, in-game assets are not taxable. So it's kind of like this uh, thing that many things now need to be debated through. And uh, this is exactly why we need to host different uh, uh, live as well as uh, online uh, forums where people from uh, different uh, uh, backgrounds could come together and uh, stake their uh, cases and uh, open the eyes uh, for the counterparties on what's, uh, what's actually happening. And as a result, uh, hopefully over time, we'll be getting to a, a better uh, system uh, for all of us. Uh, and... Uh, when it comes to this, then I think the especially important part uh, for all of us is to uh, show regulators and lawyers that uh, Web3 is not just about uh, uh, fintech, because uh, the overwhelming belief uh, still is that uh, it's all about uh, financial assets. Uh, but even when we look at uh, uh, Life Beyond as a game, and uh, like Ben just uh, replied that, yes, uh, the technology is uh, maybe used uh, in order to uh, transact and do other things, but uh, the monetary side is not the main thing there. The main thing is uh, when it comes to games, it's still the gameplay itself. And now just uh, the blockchain side and uh, the assets being tradable is just one uh, side of things that has always been there, but now it's becoming kind of uh, traceable. What do you say here, Ben? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I mean, there. It's definitely the gray area right now. How to enforce this? Um, I also think that we, this is the point also of operating in a, uh, you know, a decentralized project is to start running some experiments and see how it goes. I, I think the the beauty of what we're developing with Life Beyond is that we're going to have a playground to start testing things, to see how we can. Um, you know, players can just try new systems of justice, governance, um, and, and see and see what works and what doesn't. So, I, I think we'll have to be, be vigilant. But I, I'm I'm less concerned about like the cases that can be, you know, because well, of course, we're there will be like uh, property rights uh, and and, pro and and proper. Uh, you know, licenses and, and, and agreements uh, that will be that will come with the assets. Um, we we are actually working on this, um, so we'll make sure you know that. And Animoca has been really uh, spearheading this topic for, for some time already, uh, following the also the the royalties 
the kind of drama over the past few months. So I'm less concerned about that. I'm more concerned about some edge cases that, of course, we haven't, haven't seen yet. Where for there, well, obviously, we'll have to be to react, and that will be very important to um, to to monitor them carefully. Thank you, guys, and keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ramin. And just to uh, continue on this front, then, when it comes to NFT Tallinn per se, then uh, we will be having uh, lots of uh, uh, partners and uh, MEPs and uh, other people that are working on the regulation and uh, law side of things, uh, attending both in terms of attendees as well as uh, speakers at the event, precisely because we see that it's so important to have them uh, see what is the right uh, world of uh, Web3 and uh, how diverse it is. And then to have all those uh, discussions with the likes of Ben to learn that uh, uh, people are not crooks uh, in Web3, but uh, they're just uh, ape face uh, wearing uh, cool people uh, building awesome companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other questions here? While we wait for questions, uh, then uh, Ben, uh, how did you get involved with uh, uh, yoga? And uh, when it comes to life beyond, then uh, do you see any potential uh, collaboration or a way for uh, utilizing uh, your board ape within uh, life beyond? Well, if you guys follow our, follow our socials, you, you might have seen some gameplay already implying uh, board apes. So our our ape, uh, my ape Frank, is a is a character in Life Beyond, and uh, and we have uh, uh, we already shared I think a week or two weeks some really cool gameplay moments with with Frank uh, in on Dolos uh, on the planet. So. Um, Listen, I'm a huge fan of Yuga's work, um, but beyond that, I think I'm I was just drawn into it by because of the community and uh, how creative it is and how empowered it is. It's a it's a really great um, you know kind of it was a very great inspiration for us and well, like of course something that we would like to accomplish and how the community is, is connected and helping each other. Um, so, so that was pretty naturally and, uh, and, 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 and of course we're, we're hoping to be, um, you know, building even stronger bonds. I, I'm very lucky because of course I, I, I met Gordo, I met Gordo, I met Gargamel, I met Nicole when she was still running, uh, uh, was still the CEO of Yuga, we met in New York. So, so we've, uh, we've had like a pretty good line with them. Um, so much more to do. Yeah. Uh, Jakob, uh, you have your hand up. All right, so sort of unrelated, but a uh, question I have with both of you being uh, board ape holders: What is uh, like your opinion on what the most value that being brings? You want to start? Yeah. You well, uh, I'm a accidental board ape owner uh, since the start. Uh, it was. Uh, uh, basically, my first real NFT that I uh, bought after CryptoKitties, uh, and I uh, bought it and then forgot about it. <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of did not uh, uh, 
get the value from the first few uh, months. But then I realized uh, like in August of uh, 21 that, oh, this is actually a cool thing and not just uh, a nice monkey picture. And I started uh, getting more involved and understanding what's happening there. And I think these days uh, the main value is uh, twofold. And the people I've been uh, meeting uh, in all different uh, countries uh, wherever I've been traveling for the last uh, uh, couple of years. Even uh, this week when I'm going to NFT Paris, then uh, we already have plans to be meeting up with uh, uh, my fellow apes there. Uh, and then it's uh, all the uh, fun gameplay and uh, everything else that uh, you guys con are constantly uh, creating that I'm able to be a part of. So I think it's just uh, connections and fun. What about you, Ben? Yeah, I would say the same. It's not a. It's not all about the the financial upside. Uh, that of course, uh, some some people have managed to, you know, when for for those who 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 minted very early and were able to to enjoy all all the drops. And I, I think the the value is in belonging to the community. Um, and of course, you kind of have to display it because you know, if otherwise, no, people don't know, don't really know about it. But it's fascinating to see how um, you know I connect easily with people and uh, like, oh, you're an, you're an ape holder, so cool. Like you know, um, like there's a you, you have the feeling of part, part of, you know belonging to a community. It facilitates conversation, and uh, because of course there's. Uh, I mean, most of the time, but there is something that is like shared, you know, the, like some values or some interest. And so, yeah, so far, really, uh, the most rewarding part. And, and when it's an ape, whether it was like a bored ape or a mutant, it's, it's, it's the same type of people. That I, there was no like second class, you know, kind of citizen in this community. Yeah. And even if you, like me, uh, have been in the community since the start, then it doesn't mean that you're uh, in there for the financial reasons. I still uh, own everything that I've been claiming and I sometimes even have bought some things extra because I think it's it's the long ride and it's it's all the fun that's being generated still. Yeah, it totally makes right. sense. Thank you. Thank you, Jakob. Uh, Bob Nadi, you have your hand up. Yes, um, thank you for the opportunity. And it's, it's been a very good conversation so far. So I, I have a question. Um, what is the tokenomics of life beyond life? Because well, um, I, think this is, I think this is an aspect that is like very overlooked. Like, I mean, like we've seen a lot of like very successful NFC projects, very successful gaming projects, you know, that just failed in that aspect and it was enough to, to like run down the whole thing. So what are, what are the tokenomics like? And I'm sure you mentioned uh, that it's not a play to end game, that it's the, there's, there's an earning potential, but that shouldn't be the main focus. So I just think like you should probably shed like more light on what the actual tokenomics are like for your project. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's probably a difficult, a difficult question to answer like in two minutes, um, we we are going to release way more information, like a, a whole economics paper, to explain how it works. But in a way, um, 
just see it as like any form of an, an, an MMORPG game where this time um, whatever effort in the game is turned into into uh, um, a resource and that people need this resource because like in a free market economy you can't just um, you can't just do it all you have you you're basically you specialize somewhere and you still need to interact with other economic agents uh, which creates like a lot of sinks and faucets actually uh, a lot more sinks uh, because than, than faucets because like you get one revenue stream um, which is you know the labor that you can uh, provide or the output of your of your work uh, the goods you create you craft but you have multiple uh, things you know where and, and that really uh, will be what will will be, will I think drive the economy I think what is very important also as well is we're not going to we're not trying to tell to everyone come and you know come to earn a revenue uh come to make a profit like it's uh, it's still a it's still a it's a game it's a digital world where you can have a meaningful existence and a portion of the players i think will will it'll really earn a disposable income but it will not be uh the main motive and the and uh, from for most players so I, I think this is the best answer I can give you so far, uh, but hopefully soon we'll be able to share a lot more data with a lot more content specifically around this. When it comes to uh, the tokenomics thing, then even though, yes, uh, we're uh, finally getting to the point where every uh, native games are also understanding that game first is the way, then I... Um, uh, there is the part uh, that if you're already having some sort of uh, NFTs or some sort of tokens, then you kind of need to start thinking about the economics. And in this case, uh, how has uh, Darewise and uh, Life Beyond been uh, tackling it? Uh, have you been uh, primarily just uh, trusting your own uh, experience uh, and uh, in the uh, banking industry for and having some other internal people? Or have you been actually involving some external uh, agencies or parties uh, helping, you mean, uh, helping you, out. You, you mean to build, to design the tokenomics? So, yeah. um, so of course, well, first it's a complicated process because you have to take into account the game, uh, the immutable nature of, of NFTs. So um, it's, a, it's a much more complicated process, especially for persistent open world like that. The, the way we... Um, so we we absolutely did not outsource anything unless uh, you would consider that it's outsourcing to um, to get the um, the tokenomics team of Animal But basically, it's something that we uh, that we're building together. Um, so we get all also all of the expertise of the token the, the team that Animoca has in house, uh, which is led by uh, by uh, Mohammed, and you, you you guys should follow him because he's also like. You know, always he's one of the smartest men that I've met in this industry. So um, that's how we've been doing. We we haven't outsourced at all to any form of like you know agency or consultants. Yeah, that's that's what I kind of uh, thought as well. 
Unfortunately, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to uh, to to move to uh, to another to another call. I'm already a bit late, um, but uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to to seeing you all guys in uh, in town very soon. Yes, I was just about to say that. Uh, let's uh, let's wrap it up for today, and uh, we're looking forward to hosting all of you in Tallinn with us in in May, and especially you, uh, Ben, uh, and. For those that want to uh, learn about other uh, speakers joining us at NFT Tallinn, then we'll be continuing to do NFT Tallinn talks all the way until the event starts. But now, uh, grab a banana and enjoy your night. That's all for today's episode of NFT Tallinn Talk. I appreciate all of you for tuning in, and I hope you'll time in for our next episode. Make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast if you found it valuable. It really helps us out. I encourage you all to visit nftitalin.com to learn more about the event and grab a ticket when you're ready. I promise you the experience in Estonia will be a worthwhile one. Bye-bye.